0: WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. News at the top of the hour. I'm Carrie O'Nannon. And I'm Dan V. Press. In a growing effort to take our mind off world events, we here in the newsroom have decided to replace the trending news bites typical of our daily routine with something that has been lost in recent years due to the demise of that great American institution, the newspaper. Yes, that's right, Gary. I know. Mm -hmm. And with last July's breaking news of the discovery of thousands of hours of sound recordings on the side of the box is written 1935 to 1942, the Hoosier vagabond and that girl who rides with him, from one of the all-time great reporters of the art form and Indiana's favorite son, you're in for a treat today. I'm Gary O'Nanen, and with the story is the omniscient Dan V. Prescott. It's Prescott. Thank you, Carrie. On and on.
1: I'm Carrie O'Nanen. And on. I am. Well, folks, you are in for a treat today, because you will be the first to hear the story from the source himself.
2: Where this wandering business will get us or where it'll end, I have no idea. My boss in Washington tired of my pester knew about the travel idea so he said oh all right go on get out try it a little while as an experiment we'll see how it turns out from that day on he never mentioned it again
1: that is the voice of famed world war ii correspondent and newspaper columnist ernie Pyle. only one recording of ernie Pyle's voice was known to exist till late last year when that grand treasure trove of wire spools was found for those out of the know, before the war, Pyle and his wife traveled the United States and parts abroad, gathering stories to be used in a newspaper column for the Scripps Howard News Service. The task amounted to 1,000 words a day, six days a week. And now, thanks to these recordings, we know what that sounds like. I can go on about it, but heck, I ought to just stop talking right here and let old Ernie get to it himself.
3: Hello,
2: this is Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier vagabond, and this is that girl who rides with me.
4: Here we are. Welcome
1: to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 1, The Bourgeois Standard. Imagine, if you will, early June of 1936, a hotel room in northwest Iowa. Ernie and his wife, Jerry, seemed to be wrestling with the task of recording themselves.
2: All right, then. Mr. RCA. What? Get better acquainted Even your fancy knobs and your chrome grill. Anyway, this whole thing lacks perspective. No, sir. We still aren't completely on board with this, by the way. Not by a long shot, it's I know. Not you like kept it on... was a
4: request.
2: Well, did they give Haywood Brune one of these wire voice boxes to lug with him wherever he goes?
4: <laughs> really? <laughs> I,
2: I doubt it. Anyway, I have a chip on my shoulder, so you know. But listen, we have taken it out some. You don't have to believe me.
4: Oh, just because you say something doesn't mean it magically comes true.
2: (laughs) But when you make a promise about something... You shouldn't lie. You calling me a liar? Not yet. Not yet. What am I about to lie about, then?
4: Nothing. You've been using the recorder on people. I
2: have used it.
4: They gave us that thing well over a year ago. You haven't even changed the wire yet. I have. Look, they last
2: a long time. What is that? It's 24, even... 28 gauge wire. One of these spools lasts
4: for an hour. Not even halfway through yet.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, it's maybe three quarters of the way
4: through. Oh, well, haven't you been busy?
2: Well, there's a lot more in there. Look, we're headed home. So back back at the office, they're going to want to hear some stuff. I promised I'd use the cursed thing. So we're going to open it up a bit more in the coming days. And...
4: Fine, fine. But really, what's on there is you complaining anyway.
2: It's all the more reason to fill up these spools so I won't get yelled at. So, what I'm trying to get around to saying is to explain that what we just recorded yesterday, it's, it's well, what's just on before this wire. this viral.
4: before that.
2: This before what?
4: Before what's on there yesterday.
2: Well, how do you do that?
4: Ah, oh, do it first, I guess.
2: Well, I'm here now.
4: Well, something to think about. That's all. Just think about it.
2: Anyway, yesterday, somewhere we picked up a traveler. He was headed to someplace. He had to get there quick, and uh, he had a little guitar. <laughs> No, wait a minute. Jerry, come on. He's going to sing another song.
4: Hold on. I'll turn off the engine.
2: Okay. Hurry up.
3: Me, me, me. Me, me, me. (laughs) Tune it up.
4: Okay. Do your thing.
3: If I'm out of tune, what do you want for nothing? (laughs) No, but thank you for the lift. I should should say I appreciate it. Well, you bet. Well, it depends on how well this song goes. Uh Uh-oh. We'll see what this is a I good think. one. This one's filled with drama. <laughs> it's filled with drama and, and historical accuracy. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. You ready? All sure. right. This is as a true ready story as now. Ever. I heard this one with my own eyes. Now, the CCC, you might agree, puts men back to work by federal decree, making roads and parks and trails and dams. Now, Roosevelt's more popular than Abraham Lincoln. That's Abe Lincoln. Now, come on, keep up now. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Feels good for folks to be busy as bumblebees. Well, the forestry division they came to town with two flatbeds full of pine trees. They started looking around. (laughs) We can plant them here. We can plant them there. Without looking for a spot that was bare, they opted for the courthouse square and cleared the ground. All right, yeah, they cut them down. (laughs) The old trees that were there. They turned the stumps, no. moved all of them out and over to the dump. So they planted them here and they planted them there in the same old holes the old tree shared. It's just as wrong as putting lipstick on your rump Here, I'll say it again. It's just as wrong as putting lipstick on your own. It's probably, it's probably slippery too. <laughs> Well, I like new bridges, roads, curbs, and ditches. I'm fine with our tax dollars, iron out the glitches. Me too. But who the heck is in charge of hiring that guy that gives the heave-ho to a bunch of fine, fully-grown shade trees that were already there doing the job they were tasked with a full Mm. 70 years ago Hmm? when they were planted? Was that that is, Yeah, the idea is you can legislate a WPA, right? Right. Right? Right? But you can't legislate a common-sense administration
4: a CSA? <laughs> Last CSA yeah, didn't do that, too well. No, that did no, not. That's true.
3: Yeah, for this administration, though, we need three new letters. So, okay. Okay. What's another word for common? Bourgeois. Bourgeois. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And another word for
4: sense. Well, sense. A sense. It's the standard bearer of its own meaning. It ooh, clarifies itself.
3: Ooh, she's on a roll. She's yeah. on a roll. Well, let's see. In this case, well, this the word "standard" itself could be
4: yeah. kind of a sideways glance. Of bourgeois itself. Yeah, she is. Line. is uh, Shh! Bourgeois standard, so like the shared definition. Math, I've been down some of the parts bourgeois standard, the standard being a sensibility, and then you have the same meaning, common sense. So, yes, bourgeois standard. Wow. Bourgeois standard. I like that.
3: Bourgeois standard. <laughs> I
4: like it, too. The BS
3: administration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> BS administration. Okay. Now, common sense is common sense. Though some ignore this as pretense. Mm-hmm. And old Thomas paint this land meandered, hoisting up the colors of the bourgeois standard. Yeah. See what here, I did there? Here. Standard. Huh? Uh, did, uh, see that flag? Oh. Standard. Standard yeah. a song. A song. <laughs> oh, oh,
4: standard's a
3: song. The song is sung at their expense We'll vote them out in our defense Until we get the ones with common sense To lead the folks with common sense that's The world true. right now don't make no sense It sure don't About yes. yeah. <laughs> Filled with TNT <laughs> look, look, I only sing, that's it It's funny uh, but I'm not a complainer, and I despise complainers, and I say so. I, you know, I listen to those words I just made up there, mm-hmm. and if I heard them from somebody else, I'd say to him, well, then you step in there, you think you can do better. And I don't think I can, but I guess complaining, if you don't feel you have any power to change anything, feels like the most effective tool in the shed. So You've you know, got I'd, a
4: point. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I voted for Roosevelt, don't get me wrong, but that doesn't mean I don't get to complain, does it, for goodness sake? I say, sure mm-hmm. don't. I mean, these CCC boys here—they took out a stand of trees from the ground just to mm-hmm. plant the trees that they had on their truck, is so that, they could go out there and get some beer.
2: Is that true? That's good.
3: I saw it? it with my own ears. If that—if <laughs> <laughs> that don't make a follower of the bourgeois standard angry, I don't know what. Anyways, yeah. I only dissent when I'm making up songs, whatnot, fiddling. That's yeah, all.
4: That's what okay. standard bourgeois do. Yeah, it's art. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. That's my art form, there. <laughs> so. Or so you think, anyway.
3: <laughs> So I'm bourgeois now, I guess. I guess that's official. Aren't we all? Drink? Drink. Okay.
2: Okay. (laughs) Maybe there is a use for this thing. It does get me thinking, if folks ever do listen to these wires, they might see I've been fibbing in my column.
4: Only if you admit it.
2: (laughs) Well, the thing is, I don't even know I'm doing it until I go back and listen to what actually happened. tell you, it makes you think how much our imagination immediately begins filling in for the facts.
4: Well, maybe it'll keep you honest.
2: It'll keep me boring is what I'm afraid of. Did I play for you that little girl in Kalispell? No. Well, this is what I mean. I I like what we were talking about, what she said, but what if I want to write about something not on the wire?
4: Well, write whatever you want. Nobody's going to hear this anyway. Yeah,
2: Lee Miller will hear it. Then it'll give him an excuse to get in there and start rewriting my stuff.
4: Oh, that just gets my goat. Who does he think he is anyway? Really? You'd be the damn editor of that rag if you wanted it.
2: I should, right? Mm -hmm. He's not that bad.
4: He is that bad. And if your stuff needs anything, you give it to me first, or I will quit. You will? Just watch me. And if I have to bite that pimple-nosed pinch fist, I will. (laughs) Okay. Let's go get a drinker. And
2: hey, let me play this wire—the one with the little redheaded I'm girl first. Well, you just said if my right needs anything, to give it to you first.
4: Right. All right. That's what we're doing. Go ahead. So, what are we thinking right about here?
2: Memory. Memory itself. I'm not sure it's as accurate as I think it is.
4: And what do you remember about
2: it? I remember a little girl about ten years old, sitting with her baby brother in the shade. Watching her grandmother washing clothes in Flathead Lake. And there was nothing that girl couldn't see.
5: Fish.
4: Okay. Hey, Frankie, you come you. over here with me. Yeah, come on. Fishing. Let's leave her alone. Come over this way. Come on, Frankie. Yeah, I'll give you a... Let's walk this way. Oh. Oh. oh, watch your step. You come over here and help me wash. Yeah. There we go. There we go.
5: Is that your wife? Uh,
4: that
2: woman over there? Yeah. Yeah, that's my wife.
5: Is she drunk?
2: Y-yes.
4: Ernie! I'm glad we came here. Whoa! What does she want?
2: What does she want? Yes. Well, you're an insightful little human, aren't you?
5: What are you doing out here?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> now, what is your name?
5: <laughs> Judy, this is Frankie.
2: Ah, Judy, I'm Ernie. Hello, Frankie. Huh? He says hi. Oh, oh, well, does he now? (laughs) Okay, Judy, I'm a newspaper writer. They call me a columnist. I write six stories a week for the Scripps Howard chain and newspapers.
5: I've never met one of you before. Is that why you're here?
2: I am always looking for my next story.
5: why are you ignoring her
2: Ignor- ignoring who your wife well you're right full of questions aren't you
5: so what Ernie.
4: Woo! I got something for you
2: well when you get married you might understand
5: I've never seen anyone drunk in daylight
2: well you ought to try it there
5: you're funny I got something <laughs> for you to
2: drink you know I'm kidding right?
4: Yes. Okay. Whoa! Whoa! I'm stepping on the rocks!
5: Do you think she's gonna fall into the lake?
2: Oh, I hope so. Oh, you do not. (laughs) No, I don't. Come here. Do you like her? My wife? Do I like
5: her? Why are you repeating everything I say? It's just,
2: I need a little air here. Do I like her? Do you? (laughs) Well, yeah. A lover. Why? Why? Okay, look, I'm the one with the newspaper column, let me ask the questions.
5: When I grow up, I'm not gonna let anybody tell me what to do. Oh, yeah? I'll be the one doing the telling. I'm not living anybody else's life but my own.
4: Well,
2: sure.
5: And I sure as heck won't oh, no, no. let anything get in my way.
4: No, no, no. Oh! Ah! Oh, my
5: God! Oh. <laughs> Here, I fell in the lake.
2: My wife? Oh, boy.
4: Sure was cute. <laughs> you wanted me to hear that, didn't you? Why not? It doesn't have anything to do with your memory. Just You just want to laugh at me. No, I don't. You do. I
3: don't. No, I want you
4: to laugh at me. Go ahead, you. write your story. I'm just going to tell everybody you pushed me in. What?
2: <laughs> they can hear for themselves, that isn't true.
4: True? What does that mean? I'll tell them you pushed me with a long stick or something. <laughs> oh, boy see? Maybe everything you hear isn't what you hear. That's what I mean. to make sure your notes are backing up the lies this machine is telling.
2: Guess we'll have to let it lie. Uh-huh. I am opposed to note-taking in all its forms.
4: Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Well, let's see about that. Um, where did we just come from?
2: You think I don't know?
4: No, I know you don't know.
2: Well, we just came uh, from from
4: mm-hmm.
2: South Dakota, last night. (laughs) You don't remember Minnesota Oh, Minnesota, big deal.
4: (laughs) Where are we now? Some
2: town with a lake in it. It's northeast Iowa. Let me look.
4: (laughs) Oh, what's that? What's that in your hand?
2: My notebook.
4: Oh, so you do take notes. You know
2: I do. I have to get folks' names right. Names and places. (laughs) This is uh, Spirit Lake, Iowa.
4: Yep. And shame on you. First you pushed me in with a big stick, and now you're lying to these people. (laughs) What people? (laughs) Whoever's listening to us. Where are we headed, anyway?
2: I I already told you we're going home.
4: Where's that?
2: Dana, Indiana.
4: Liar! I (laughs) I knew it. We agreed we were going home. Uh, Dana is
2: home to some people.
4: Don't play this game with me, Earn.
2: Uh, Well, it is.
4: I knew it when you didn't want to go through Chicago. I knew you were gonna steer us to your folks. It'll only
2: be for a few days, then we can go home.
4: You haven't forgotten where that is?
2: Well, let me check my notes.
4: How do we know you haven't bought us a house somewhere and forgot to tell me about it?
2: Well, that's a good idea.
4: All right, just a few days in Dana with your folks and then straight home to Washington, for real.
2: Well, if I don't forget. I need to write.
1: Later that night.
2: You want to hear this? Go ahead. Travel, they say, is educational. And so we have found it in our first years of constant wandering. Why, if I had been sitting at a desk instead of busting around, I never would have learned that Pocahontas was buried in England or that most laundries insist on putting starch in white pants and I'm sure I never would have gotten into my head where Patagonia is neither would I have known where the Red River is but I now know of so many Red Rivers that I don't know which one the song was written about and if I had been behind a desk I never would have ridden with a long unseen cousin dragging redwood logs out of the California mountains with a caterpillar There is one thing, however, that travel has not taught me. What makes a noise come out of a radio? We have traveled by practically all forms of locomotion, including piggyback. We've been at least three times into every state of the union. We have not spent a Christmas in a home in four years. I spent one fourth of July in hip boots, sheepskin coat, mittens, and a stocking cap. And we've celebrated New Year's three times in shirt sleeves. Travel is so confusing. Speaking of confusion, my most confused moment was at the airport in Mexico City. The ladies and men's retiring rooms there were labeled Senoras and Senores. Now that's an awful lot alike. So I walked smack into the ladies' room, no harm done however, and I walked right out again then. I took my bearings, consulted my Spanish dictionary, lit a cigarette for nonchalance, and this time walked confidently and correctly into the men's department. And I'll be damned if there weren't two old ladies in there. Americans, too. The farthest I've driven in one day is 570 miles from a ranch in the center of Arizona, clear into Los Angeles. I'll never do that again. A fella gets awfully sleepy driving, especially right after lunch on a hot day. Several times I've had to stop and walk up and down the road to wake up. Once we stopped on the desert for me to take a little nap, I have never heard such intense quiet. That girl who rides with me was reading a newspaper. This sounds incredible, but the slight rustling of her paper made so much noise in the desert stillness that I couldn't go to sleep, sleepy as I was. I never said anything to her about it question most frequently asked of us is aren't you getting awfully sick of traveling by now the answer is an honest no though it is isn't impossible some of these days we might come to hate the impermanency of travel I've tried to figure out myself why we haven't tired of it and my conclusion is that our travel is a means of escape we don't have to stay and face anything out if we don't like a place we can move on if something happens that isn't Pleasant, we can leave, settle it later by letter, or just let it go forever. Stability cloaks you with a thousand little personal responsibilities, and we've been able to flee from them. But just as important with us, I suspect, is the fact we can't stay long, even in the places we love. There's no opportunity for lingering disillusionment. I remember that once, years ago, we loved Arizona so much. And when we crossed the Colorado River for the last time, we could hardly talk for the lumps in our throats. We left Hawaii with broken hearts. We can hardly speak of the people in Sun Valley, Idaho without bubbling over. We hardly dare go to Albuquerque, we hate so to leave. We Still love all those places because we always had to leave before the sweet taste could turn to vinegar. And also before they could find out about us and kick us out.
1: Next time on the Ernie Pyle Experiment.
2: I don't know whether you know that long, sad wind that blows so steadily across the thousands of miles of Midwest flatlands in the summertime. If you don't, it'll be hard for you to understand the feeling I have about it.
3: All oh, your folks have been a- talking to everyone that'll oh, listen that you're bet. on your way home. What are you doing out here making all this noise for? Mom. She's sleeping. Well, she shouldn't be
2: sleeping out in the yard in the first place. She's in the car. Kids these days.
4: Old age is just a capricious notion, anyway, isn't it? Capri- what is that word? Huh? Capricious? Yes, capricious. A swift, abrupt, unmotivated, unpredictable condition. Change, transformation. And I'm right about that. Don't make me look it up. I think this wind has a touch of caprice, don't you?
1: See you next week, folks. Until then, I'm Dan V. Prescott, reminding you that the good road will never end if you can only stay on it.
5: The Ernie Pyle Experiment was created by Michael Brainerd with a little help from the great Ernie Pyle. Episode 1 The Bourgeois Standard. Jerry Pyle was played by Greta Lind. Ernie Pyle, Michael Brainerd. Willie the Ukulele Man, Denny Moynihan. Judy, Maddie Bolstridge, Judy's grandma, Jan Lucas, Dan V. Prescott, Tim Grimm, Carrie Onanen, Peter Spellos, executive producer at WFIU, John Bailey, sound director, script editor, and co-executive producer, Russell McGee, writer, director, and co-executive producer, Michael Brainerd, sound design, Jesse Brewer, composer, Ryan Chase, Music Assistant, Francis Crishone. Foley Artists, Brian Barnes and Nicholas Crone. Production Assistants, Brian Barnes, Chancellor Edmiston, Jason Fruits, and Nicholas Crone. A very special thanks to the Ernie Pyle Legacy Foundation, promoting the life and work of the great Ernie Pyle. Another special thank you to the Media School at Indiana University. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. Find past episodes wherever you access your media at WFIU.org. WFIU, Bloomington,
0: Indiana. I'm Carrie Onanon. Uh, I I mean, I'm Carrie Onanon. Damn it. I'm Carrie Onanon. Hmm.